This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Welcome to Elevate again. All right. I love Studio C. Their videos are awesome. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Thank you that you have wisdom to to give to all of us, that your word just uh, leads us, and it's a light to our feet. Uh, Give us that wisdom, and I pray that every seed that you plant tonight, uh, Lord, will stick. Lord, you'll block the enemy from from stealing it or uprooting it or anything, Lord. You're awesome, and open up our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is week five in our Little Black Book series on dating, marriage, sex, love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we have talked about what love actually is, and it's not an emotion. It is a choice. To say I love you is to say I choose you and I set myself apart to be yours. And when we look at Jesus and we look at his life and how he loved us, it, is, it is, abounds in that understanding that he chose us. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to give himself for us. Over and over and over again, we're seeing this. And the most authentic love that that we can share is that we actually give all of our love to him. We give him our frail, fickle, temporary, finite love. And then God pours out his love, his, his immutable, permanent, beautiful, unchangeable love through us to the people around us. They go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, Love the Lord your God. And the second commandment is like the first. It reflects the first. So we love God and our love for other people will reflect our love for him. We also talked about two weeks ago, because, you know, hurricane, that God is much more concerned with our being the right person than our necessarily getting the right person. He First, he wants to mold and work on us before he's going to trust us with someone that he brings into our lives. So let's pick up there. Society continues to grab on and cling to their notions and strategies for romance when society themselves are failing all the time. We look around and we just see failed marriages and and we see people breaking up and, and trying all sorts of weird love connections that are strange. And it's just failing over and over and over and over again. Culture is a failure at love. And so if we as God's people are going to have something they do not have, we're going to have to try to do something different than what they are doing. And so we're going to turn to Scripture. We're going to look at what is it like to date as a Christian. So we're going to remix dating a little bit. We're going to do something different than what everyone everyone else is doing. And some of these are kind of foreign concepts, but at least chew on them before you discard them outright. So let's begin. The, the definition of Christian dating is a mutual agreement for companionship towards marriage while putting Jesus first. Mutual, as in both of you have the same values and the same life direction. 
marriage, the whole point of dating is marriage. If you're dating just to goof off or have fun or have a relationship status or whatever, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your heart, you're wasting your energy. The only purpose that you should have for dating is to look towards a lifelong partner. Or I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up. You are running through a minefield with steel toe boots. And I want better for you than that. I want you to have a healthy marriage without all the baggage that many people in in our society are having to enter their marriages with. And all of this is putting Jesus first. If Jesus is central in your life and central in their life, then he's going to be central in your dating relationship. So the definition of Christian dating, a mutual agreement for companionship towards marriage while putting Jesus first. So if you are not ready to pursue marriage, you don't need to be dating. If this person isn't someone you can see yourself with the rest of your life, there's no point in being with them. You're wasting your time, your heart, your energy, your emotions. So what does success look like for a Christian dating relationship? Success is one of two things. The obvious is marriage. Yay! Ding, 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 victory. Or, if not, a mature breakup. To the point that you're saying, you know what, I recognize through wisdom that this is not the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. And we're going to deal with how to, how to wrestle with breakups two weeks from now. So stay tuned for that. And a successful breakup, this is Dom's opinion. I think that a successful breakup is whenever you have raised the bar for them for whoever they're going to date next. That you have set the bar so high through your values, your ethics, your respect, and how you care for them that they will never settle for anyone lower than the bar you set. So now they're set up for success. That's one man's opinion. So let's orient ourselves. What are you bringing to a dating relationship? Who are you? Matthew 5, 13 through 16. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have given your life to him, as in your life is forfeit from yourself, and Jesus is now your Lord, your king and your father, then this applies to you. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, who are we? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, you guys in here, those of you who call on Jesus as your Lord, you are the light of the world. A city city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They don't hide the light in their house but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So why are you salt? Why are you light? So that the people around you will recognize your light, recognize your flavor flave, and they will give glory to God. In this culture of hedonism and darkness and and flagrant sexuality and fake love and self-worship, a Christian's life mission is to glorify God through being salt and light. But you know what? We have a very real enemy who is out to sabotage your saltiness and your flavor. He is out, John 10.10 says, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can use a romantic relationship in your life to dim your light, then he's going to do it. He will have won. If he can use a romantic relationship to distract you from being flavorful for Jesus in the world that you're at, he's going to take that angle. 
We talked about last week or two weeks ago extensively how the enemy tries to use romance to pull people away from being effective for the kingdom of heaven. So here's the test. Will dating add to your light and purpose or will it make you dim and flavorless for the kingdom of God? Will dating this person that you're considering enhance your walk with Jesus or will it detract from it? Because if you step into dating for the wrong reasons, then that person will become your new idol. You only need to begin the steps of dating if God has brought you personally to a point where this dark, flavorless world needs you as a duo. Are you following me? If God has brought you to a point where you are more effective, partnered with someone else who is moving in the same direction than either of you would be separately. I know that's hard to hear. But that's why Jesus is the beginning and the end of all of this. He is, he is now our Lord. Our lives be, belong to him. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. I remember the night that Jackie and I, I guess, became official. We were at, standing on a road. It was very, very dark outside because we were like, we like seeing the stars. And so we're standing on this road, and two lakes meet at both sides of the road. So there's like two lanes, and there's a lake that way and a lake that way, and the stars were just spectacular. And we're like, should we do this thing? You know, like, we, we like are we in a place in our lives? You know, she lives in one place, and I live in another place. And, she's, and she says this to me, in her wonderful wisdom, she, she points across the lake to this dock light on the other side. You know, it's covered in, you know, mosquitoes. And she points way over there to this dock light, and she says, hold your hand up. And I was like, okay. She's like, point at it. Okay, I'm pointing at it. And she says, watch this. Okay, I'm with you. I mean, you're, you're so cute. Whatever you say, I'm, I'm there. And, and she says, uh, watch this. Let's pretend that light is Jesus. And let's both pursue Jesus first and watch. If we're both chasing Jesus, our fingers are getting closer. And there will be a point that we will either intersect and continue on with our lives, or we will walk together. So let's do that. And I was like, that revolutionized how I understood our Christian relationship. That's what it means to have Jesus at the center of your relationship. That both of you are pursuing him first, and as you pursue him, you, he'll, he's the one. You allow him to be the one that brings you closer together. So are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always hoped for? To have a marriage like we put on display tonight. Thank you, Guffies, for coming out tonight. Yeah. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? The first week we, I asked you, are you willing to unlearn and redefine what love is? On week two, are you willing to embrace someone else's differences? Week three, are you willing to sacrifice your own desires? Week four, are you willing to grow first? And tonight I'm going to ask you, are you willing to do things differently than the rest of the world is doing them? Here is three areas that it's not a comprehensive list. This is just from some books that I read and stuff that I think these are three things that I want to point out that are big differences of how Christians date differently than the rest of the world. The first one is that a Christian assigns to marriage its proper value because we live in a society that undervalues marriage. They have found that it's way easier to just get out of a marriage than it is to reconcile. It's way easier to start over than it is to get humble and look for ways to be healing to one another. 
And so we value marriage. We put it up on a pedestal and say, this is worth fighting for. This is worth making decisions now at 13, 14, 15, whatever, so that that is healthy. This is going to be the person I'm with for the rest of my life, 30 to 60 years. I mean, can we even imagine? Like, I'm not even, I'm not even 60, 45. I'm not 43 yet. I'm only 34. I can't even imagine what 43 years looks like, but that's the person you're going to spend all of the highs and lows of life with. This is the person you're crying with. This is the person that you're going to meet hard times in life and say, what do we do now? We can't take this lightly. We ascribe to it the value that God puts on it. It is a sacrament before God. It reflects God's very nature. It's a representation of Jesus in the church. It is how God sanctifies us as we iron sharpens iron. Sometimes it has heat and sparks. It's not always easy. Marriage is incredibly valuable. Mark 10, 8 through 9, Jesus is talking, and he's referring to Genesis, and he says, the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What a, what a spiritual mystery, that when God sees you and your spouse, he sees you as one. Two whole people making one whole. That's just crazy. I don't, I don't even understand the, the ramifications of that. I just know that that's how God sees us. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Who you choose is more important than your career choice, how much money you make, where you live, what house you're in. Next to your choice for salvation, this is the most important life decision you will ever make. So we cannot take it lightly. We can't take dating lightly because it is a path towards the rest of your life. Christian dating is different because it assigns marriage its proper value. The second thing that Christian dating is different is that a Christian only dates a Jesus follower who is producing fruit. I know that's controversial. I know that sounds hard to hear, but I'm telling you this is make it or break it, y'all. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? If they have not surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, they are walking around with an unchanged nature of sin, no matter how moral or nice they seem, or how good they look on the outside. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? A yoke was this big bar that they they strapped two oxen together with. It's like wood and metal, and they lash it down on top of this ox. And so the two oxen are stronger than one, and they're able to pull a plow or a cart or or whatever with it. And what what Jesus is referring to, or what Paul, I'm sorry, Paul is referring to here, is that they knew, those that lived in the first century, that, that lived with yoking oxen together for their you know, survival and their food, and if you strap a really strong one to a really weak one, one of their necks would be broken because of the strain between the pull and the lag. And here's the shocker. It wasn't the weak one that has his neck broken, but the stronger one as he's being pulled back. If you join yourself romantically to someone that doesn't have your same life direction, same values, same love for Jesus Christ, it will not be them that changes. They will pull you down every time. Please hear me because I'm not speaking from emptiness. I'm speaking from watching people that I care about be drugged down over and over and over and over again. This is close to my heart and I will speak boldly about it because I care about you enough to tell you straightforward. I don't want that to happen to you. 
I dated a girl for a little while for all the wrong reasons. And it was strange because I was in a place where God was pouring into me. And every time in a conversation I'd bring up, this is what Jesus is showing me. This is what I found in, in, in the Bible. And it's just blowing my mind. She would get really quiet. And our conversation got really awkward. I was like, what is this? Fast forward to a very different relationship, my present wife now. And every time I would tell her when we were dating, this is what Jesus is doing to me. She'd get all excited. And she'd tell me what Jesus was doing in her. We'd have like the best Bible studies. It was wonderful. It's because there was a difference. Christian dating is different because a Christian will only date a follower of Jesus that they see fruit in their life. And the third one, you thought that one was controversial. Bear with me. Chew on this for a minute before you're willing to throw it out. Hear me all the way through. The third difference is that a Christian stops searching for the, air quotes, the one. The concept that there is only one person on the whole planet for every individual. Like, are we supposed to float through life hoping to bump into that one in seven billion person? Are they in China? Like, then you're really in trouble. Because you got to get it right the first time. This is the rest of your life, right? I know it's very cinematic and it sounds romantic, but it denies the real romance. Follow me. The real romance is that love is a choice to choose someone to be your one. And no one on earth can displace them because they're the one that you said, I choose you and I set myself apart from everyone else in the world for you. That's romance. That's beautiful. That's what Jesus did for us. Now, this may sound a little self-contradictory, but I genuinely believe that God knows who you will marry. And I believe that he is already grooming them for that. But the weight of searching for the one is never on your shoulders. Proverbs 16.9, I love this. This is like one of my very favorite verses. The heart of a man or woman plans their way, but the Lord establishes their steps. What's the danger? The danger is that if you believe in a preordained, faded soulmate somewhere on this planet, in Nicaragua or Singapore or wherever they happen to be, then you will always wonder if you're with the one. And when life gets hard and everything starts coming against you and maybe you get into that big argument or things are really tough, you're going to start questioning about this person that you committed your life to, that you said, I do to, and you're going to start saying, well, maybe they just weren't the one. You hear the danger in that? Instead of, I chose them for the rest of my life, and I belong to them for the rest of my life. You hear the difference? One is floating through life using your emotions as a litmus test to try to find this mythical one in seven billion, and the other one is submitting to wisdom and the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's a problem that social scientists have found about online dating. They've discovered that many people are getting married through online dating sites, but they don't delete their online account. And when asked, they respond by saying, I leave it open just in case someone better comes along. That is the one kind of understanding. What if, what if this person isn't the one? What if they're still out there? It's like putting your, this is, excuse me if I'm corny with this, but this is kind of like putting yourself on a pedestal and just seeing what the best offer you can get is. 
You're like, all right, who wants to marry me? Who makes 50,000, 50,000 a year? Who makes 60,000, 60,000? Do I see 60,000, 70,000 a year? Excellent. Who is really good looking? Good looking, good looking. Do I see good looking? Excellent. Good looking. Do I see great looking? Great looking. Do I see really great looking? Who makes me feel good about myself? Good about myself. Can anyone make me feel great about myself? Who will make me feel like a hero? A hero. Wow. Do you hear how grossly selfish that line of thinking is? I'm always looking for the better. Yo, love is a choice, not an auction. Can I offer to you a higher perspective? And this perspective is simply this, that God is my one. And there may be many who pass through my life who are compatible that I could choose to be my number two. This puts everything into the hands of the Lord. This removes the stress of, I've got to, I've got to single them out. I've got to spend my life. What if they're not in here? What if they're there? What if I've got to? It, it takes all that pressure off and says, Lord, I just surrender to you. It removes fate and emotions from the driver's seat and it replaces them with wisdom. Christian dating is different because a Christian doesn't need to search for that one. I love this psalm. David wrote this. And excuse me, I'm going to jump through it a little bit for the sake of time, but this is so beautiful. Psalm 16, I'm going to start with verse 2. This is David. He says, I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. Verse 5, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. You hear the satisfaction that David has? He doesn't need to find a one. He is not needing somebody better than the woman he's, he has already. He doesn't need to find someone more beautiful or someone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Verse 11, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That is not the heart of someone who is needy. That's not the heart of someone who's just looking for better. That's the heart of who, is, who has found his one and is entirely satisfied with his Lord. Here are a few things that Christian dating is not. And this, I tackled this one two weeks ago. Christian dating is not for those who aren't ready. It has the potential to be super destructive you can check out on the podcast two weeks ago. Having a crush does not signify that you are mature enough to prepare for marriage. That said, let's move on. Christian dating is not all it's cracked up to be. I'm telling you, that date, you're like, oh, if only. It's awkward. You're sitting there and you're like, I don't know what to talk about. And I finally got here. I don't know what to do with myself. And you're risking heartache, and it can destroy friendships. Like, what if this person has been your good friend, and now when it falls apart, you've lost your good friend? Or what if, because you're dating them, you've lost your other friendships because you started abandoning them? It's not all it's cracked up to be. Here's another aspect. It's not all it's cracked up to be because you spend a lot of time and energy battling sexual temptation, and it's exhausting. Like, I can't even imagine, like, what if I met my my 
you know, bride to be at 13 or 14 or 15. And I had six years to wait until I married her. That would be wildly exhausting to try to keep my holiness before God and serve him and keep our physical boundaries up for six, seven years. That is unreal. Christian dating is not all it's cracked up to be. It's worth waiting for. It's worth waiting for that right person. Christian dating is not a good way to, please pay attention right now, really get to know someone. Guys, you need to filter, filter, filter. You need to remove everybody that is like not even close to who might be compatible, might be who God's bringing into your life. You do not need to get your heart involved until you're like way down the list. Many people, and dare I say maybe even you, try to put on your best appearance for the other person. Sometimes wear masks or lie to try to be what you think the other person wants, and they're trying to be what they think you want. This is not a great way to get to know someone. Instead, observe them at school. What do they do during their spare time? What do they like on social media? How are they like at their job? How do they treat the other employees or their boss? Observe them in different settings. Watch their character. Consider the fruit of their lives. What is coming out of their lives? This is not a good way to get to know someone. Christian dating is not for the purpose, please, please, please pay attention. Christian dating is not for the purpose of rescuing someone from their troubles. And if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I see guys all the time trying to rescue the damsel in distress, this girl that's living needy all the time, and she just needs someone to save her. She needs someone to listen. And this guy will spend all night listening, and she says wonderful things like, oh, you're the only one who understands me, and, and there's nobody around for me but you, and you just make life worth living. And he feels all great about himself. But guys, it can't last. You don't, you're not a bottomless pit. This is not the way. This is not a reason to date. Girls, y'all too. Y'all have this knack that you want to you want to date the bad boy to somehow convert him into the good boy. A Walk to Remember was a well-made movie, but it was terrible dating advice. Yep, sorry. Deal with it. You can support someone and you can encourage them, guys and girls. You can support them and encourage them without being romantically involved. Christian dating is not an alternative to being lonely. You might think that this finally fills that void, but it's temporary. It does not actually fill the void of your not being a whole person. Christian dating is companionship of two whole people. Because if one of you is not whole, or both of you, this is only going to create this codependency, this expecting that other person to complete you, which is totally selfish, and it will wear out. And you will wear out. Real love is only concerned with giving. Here's two things that Christian dating is here's the definition it's a mutual agreement for companionship towards marriage while putting jesus first christian dating is mutual you mutually view each other as prospective marriage partners you both have decided there are no deal breakers come back next week you both more concerned with the other's relationship with jesus than the benefits that you get from the romance it's mutual you're walking in this together christian dating is i'm telling you I hope this goes home with you. It's a preparation for marriage. We, we put marriage on a high pedestal. We see dating as very, very valuable because of its purpose. You're two people that are working hard to make it work. 
You're exercising selflessness, humility, teamwork. You're learning how to disagree and argue in healthy ways, how to make mistakes and forgive each other. You're learning, learning new stuff about yourself. I had no idea some things about myself until I was in a serious relationship. I was like, man, I am a frustrating, insecure twerp. And it didn't even, this stuff didn't surface until all of a sudden there was someone in my life I was supposed to be selfless towards. This is not a little boy's game or a little girl's game. You, this is making countless adult decisions. So with no further ado, let's jump in to how would we remix dating a little bit. And I'll begin with saying that there is no healthy relationship that has ever been ruined by taking it slow. But there have been countless heart-wrenching, destructive heartbreaks because of people going too fast. All right, so Elevate. In a few years, you may actually consider buying a house. So put yourself in future you shoes and think about this. You wouldn't go out and buy the first house that has the paint color that you like. No. That's stupid. You're investing a lot of money. You're going to live there. You might go into debt for like 30 years over this thing. You're not going to just pick a house because of the paint color that you like. No, 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 no. You know what you would do? You're going to sit down and make a list of all the things that are important for your lifestyle. You're going to say to yourself, um, I'm going to need a double stove because I like to cook. I'm going to need a tiny yard because I hate yard work. I'm going to need a big living room because I like to host my friends. You're going to go through and think of all the things that are important to you. And you're going to make this list. And that's immediately going to remove a lot of the houses on the market. You're going to say, what can I afford? That removes a lot of houses for a youth pastor. You're going to go through this list. And then you're going, to, you're going to visit the houses. You're going to get appraisals done to see if what they're selling it for is really true. You're going to get inspections done to make sure the plumbing and the insulation and blah, 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 blah. You go through this long process before you're willing to give 30 years of your life away. And tons of money and, oh my gosh. So you just sign your life away. Man, it's crazy. Why would you go through so much effort? I don't know about you, but I'll spend an hour on Amazon reading reviews about a toaster. They're like, like, why would you go through so much effort for something that is only a fraction of the investment that you're going to put into a lifelong partner? If you are going to apply those kinds of wisdom to a house, oh, God forgive me for rhyming, you'll, you should put the same wisdom into choosing a spouse. I hate rhymes. Oh, man. Look, so let's begin with a filter. We're gonna, these are steps, and you're going to notice that step five is what people usually jump to on day one. Your future marriage that you see is valuable and worth fighting for is worth delayed gratification a little bit. So filter number one is friendship. The best thing about friendship is there is no temptation to wear masks. You're just you. You sit there and your hair is all messy and you smell bad and you're just like, yeah, hey, whatever. You know what? In friendship, you're more likely to see clues of who someone is. And get this, and I think the guppies can attest to it, the best marriages are between the best of friends. Invest on this ground level in friendship. The second thing is you move from friendship, and this makes it, I'm telling you, I'm, here's gold right here. I'm throwing gold to you guys is to move from friendship to just group hangouts. Because watch this. As you start inviting them to be a part of your group hangouts and you're a part of their group hangouts, you can begin to watch who their friends are 
how they treat their friends, how they treat your friends, the kind of humor they have, kind of jokes that they tell. You begin to get to know someone a lot by seeing them interact with a group of people. How are they influenced? Who are they influenced by? How do they treat strangers? What's awesome is that in group hangouts, there's a lot less pressure to be a couple. And guess what? Guys, there's no financial cost to you. Yep. And then from there, and I'm telling you, try this. It's so much better to go this route. This is just wisdom. I'm throwing you gold here. Move from group hangouts to double and triple dates. It's so much more, I'm telling you, you skip so much of that awkwardness where you're trying to find conversation. You have this double, triple date, and you laugh. Jackie and I love doing this now. You laugh so much more. There's so much more energy in the conversation because there's multiple people you can interact with. It's so much better. But there's sort of like a, yeah, I invited them here to be with me. So you're kind of moving that way, right? But there's not any commitment yet. You want to save the commitment. You want to save your heart for someone that you have gone through a lot of steps of this filter with. You want to have already gotten the appraisal and the inspection. You want to get through all this stuff before you ever start giving your heart away. Number four, you start doing a few one-on-one dates. And then you start asking yourself some questions. What starts surfacing whenever you're alone together? Is there pressure just to be physical? Is your con- what is your conversation about? Does time together come easily? Do you laugh a lot? Do you feel like you're able to be yourself when you're with them? Are you seeing something in them that is worth holding on to for the rest of your life? And here's kind of like a pivot point. This is like, maybe this is the most mature step of this. This may be a sign if you're willing to go this far, maybe you're you're starting to figure things out a little bit. And forgive me, I don't have a great term for this, so I'm going to use the antiquated term from 2002. We called it talking. Do you all still call it talking? Probably not. But let me tell you what this is. Whatever you want to call it, this is... A mature, open conversation where you, about where you are and where you are going, and you're trying to see if they're going in the same direction you are. You're trying to see if they're feeling the same things that you are. This is the time to unpack and make a clear picture of your priorities, your values, your faith, your sexual standards, your life's direction, and you need to find out, are you in harmony or contradiction here? Where is this relationship going? Because if not, this is the perfect time to say, cool, I guess we can still be friends. I would love hanging out with you. And there was no messy breakup. If you're willing to apply step one, two, three, four, five, you've now gone through so much of this filter process and you've never even had to give your heart away. You've never had to invest something that now there's tears and anger and friends are picking sides and oh my gosh, what a mess. Because now you're just having an honest conversation. You know what? Okay. You're, you're wanting these values in life, and I'm wanting these values. That's fine. Let's be awesome friends. I'm telling you, this is wisdom. Number six, if you find that your values line up, you're walking in the same direction, you can see this person as someone you, want, you might want to spend the rest of your life with, then you start dating exclusively. A mutual agreement for companionship towards marriage while putting Jesus first. Avoid getting here too fast. Best case scenario, if you've gone through all these steps of filtering, the best case scenario is you only get here once. How crazy is that? I'm telling you, you do not want to be like society and you go 
Dating, breakup, heartache. Dating, breakup, heartache. Dating, breakup, heartache. Around and around and around and around. I want you to dodge this minefield so that by the time you're at this point, you are well settled with, man, this really could be the person I'm with for the rest of my life. You both view each other as prospective marriage partners, and you're both seeking the Lord together for your future. And you come to that place that you say, this is it. This is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. We're looking towards marriage. That space in between, that's step number seven. It's called engagement. Because you're already committed your life. You love each other. You know that you love each other. You've chosen this person. You set yourself apart from them. You're just waiting on your wedding day now. You have full transparency and disclosure. There's nothing hidden, not your past relationships, not your mistakes, your struggles, any hard life situations. These are all old news. You've talked about this stuff. And then step number eight, which number eight in the Bible is the number of new beginning. That's kind of cool, is marriage. (sighs) But now the hard work begins. So in short, take this slow. It's worth the delayed gratification of filter, 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 filter. If you have the power to choose, that's the whole thing, why love is not an emotion. Because if love is a choice, then you have the power to choose. And if you have the power to choose, and you have the power to choose wisely, then choose carefully. Is this process the only way to have a God-honored success in dating and marriage? No. Mine and Jackie's look different from this. Lots of couples that you talk about that have great marriages, that love the Lord, have different stories. But I'm telling you, this is wisdom. I am throwing gold out to you. I hope you grab a hold of it. If you want what others don't have, you're going to have to do something different than what they're doing. Quick recap. Christian dating is companionship towards marriage while putting Jesus first. I hope that goes home with you. Christians see dating differently. They assign marriage as proper value. They only date Jesus followers, and they trust God with their number two. Christian dating is not an alternative to being lonely. I hope that stuck out to you. Take it slow. Filter, 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 filter. I want to ask you and leave you with this question. Will dating enhance or weaken your light for Jesus? Your most important status is not to be a boyfriend or not to be a girlfriend. Your most important status is that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know what was beautiful tonight? Is that those good works that gave glory to God got to be displayed through Marilyn and Charles who sat up here and said, you know what God's glory looks like? It looks like a marriage where we're still in love. That gives glory to God because everything they said was the reason that we still love each other after 43 years is because Jesus is at the center, is because we studied scripture to know how to live our lives together. That gives glory to Jesus. That Jesus is in the center. So here's a challenge. And it's a fun, lighthearted challenge. This week, think and write down three great date ideas that will help you actually get to know someone on a deeper level. A bad idea might be, first date, let's go to a movie. That's terrible. You're not going to talk to each other. You're just going to sit there and look at a screen. You might eat candy. Instead, think of out-of-the-box ideas. Remember, this is still step, what is it, four? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, step four. We actually go on a one-on-one date. What are some dates that you actually start to get to know them? Think about it. Maybe, I love this one. This is so much fun. 
What if your first date was going to the rock gym in New Orleans and going rock climbing? Belay each other. Survive from the other person catching them. You think you're going to have an honest conversation? Absolutely. Think of some creative date ideas. You can write that one down. That's number one of three. Elevate. I want the best for you. And for the next three weeks, we're going to have more couples that sit up here, and I'm telling you what's going to ring true in every one of them is we put Jesus first. And so that's why we orient ourselves with who are we? We're the salt of the earth. What are we called to do? Pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. And God's going to take care of all that. Heavenly Father, bless these men and women of God. Empower them and release them from the pressure of feeling that they've got to go running and stress and seek out this one in a seven billion. Let them know that you are the one. Help them choose you as their one. Because after that, you've got the rest taken care of. You've got number two taken care of. Lord, I pray that some of these principles tonight, even if they're hard to hear, even if they're confusing, I pray that they sink into hearts. And I pray that everyone in here that you are calling to be married will have a relationship that reflects the couples that will sit on the stage and teach us from the wisdom of years. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for being a good God that we can find complete satisfaction in, just like David. We love you, Lord, and we give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! I love you, Elevate. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.